Uh, grab your Bibles. We're going to wrap up our series this morning. Um, how many of you have been learning something about hearing the voice of God in this series? I hope that you have. Thank you. And, um, if, you know, I would love to hear your stories about how you've been hearing from God. I know for Lindsay and I, and I'll, I'll talk a, a little bit more today about something that we've been praying very hard on. And God really spoke yesterday afternoon to us about it. And, um, and it, it actually, it, it's kind of funny. And, and as I tell the story later, you'll understand more. I was supposed to preach this part of the message last week and I didn't, didn't get to it. And then this whole week was a test and a trial for me to see if, if we, I, I, basically I'll just say it like this, could we put into practice what I was about to preach to you today? And uh, I just believe that God spoke to us yesterday so clearly. And it, it, it fits right into what we're talking about today. But before we do, I want to end one last time, and I want to read all of our scriptures together. If you're a guest with us today, thank you so much for being here at Triumph. My name is Randon. My wife, Lindsay, and I are the lead pastors here at Triumph, as well as Triumph Beaumont. And we are glad to have you here. Thank you for coming and worshiping God with us today. And here's what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes. We're going to read some scriptures out loud together. And we're just doing this for this series. We don't do this every Sunday, but for this series we have. Just because we want to get them in us. This is the heart of the series that God wants to speak to me and he wants to speak to you. Uh, I'm just so convinced that you cannot have relationship without communication. And God's great desire for you and I is relationship. So he wants to speak to us. So we're going to read all these verses together. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to. But if you're a regular member of Triumph and I see your mouth not moving, I may call you out. Here we go. Uh, we're going to read on the count of three. John chapter 10, verse 27. One, two, three. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Get those words in your heart. We know his voice. He knows us and we follow him. John 16 and 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He's going to tell you about your future. He wants to speak to you about your future and my future. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Last verse. This is my favorite. Romans 8 and 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It's easy for me to reflect on this scripture and it starts with the fact that uh, I have a great relationship with my parents. Today, we're, we're honoring moms today. And time and time again, my mother has heard from God about my life. Uh, I, I, I can remember as a teenager walking into, their, her, into the house and her in the most loving way say, what were you doing today? And I tell her some made up story. I know you think I was perfect and never, met, never would do something like that, but I did. And I remember one time her, her looking at me and saying, Randon, I've already heard from God. <laughs> and so she asked me a question if I had done something. 
And in my mind, I'm formulating a lie. Don't act like you've never been there. You're just, you're just trying to say, will she believe this or will she not? And you're working it all out. And before I could get the lie formulated, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit hit my life. Not the condemnation of my mother. She was never mean. She was never ugly. She, was, she, she never did all that. But it was the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Mom, how did you know? And she said, because God told me. I'll tell you this. Uh, growing up in a house with a, with, a, with a mom and dad who hear from God kept me between the ditches. <laughs> because what they may not know, God knew. And I never knew when I was going to walk in the door. And as soon as they said, what'd you do? I was like, Did they, have they been praying again? <laughs> I just want to encourage you to be that type of person. But, uh, you know, I have these amazing parents. So understanding when you start talking about being led by the Spirit of God, by what it means to be a child of God, I have, uh, having great parents puts me in the frame of mind that, I believe we serve a great God, and, and I want to serve him, and I want you to serve him. But my encouragement to you is, if your childhood hasn't been like mine, I recognize that I am extremely blessed. I recognize that, that I grew up in a home that most people don't get to grow up in. But can I encourage you and say that God wants that type of relationship with you? If you grew up in a, in a home where uh, being a child... Uh, or the child of bad parents, or, or a bad father, or a bad mother was not a good thing, may I encourage you that we serve a perfect father. He knows you, and he loves you, and he sent his son to this earth to die for you. And don't let what happened incorrectly in your childhood affect that God loves you as his own. So when I read this verse, all who are led by God are children of a God, I say, that is a great promise. Amen? I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a story, and this one's not actually about me, but it is a true story. Uh, uh, the, the lady in, in one of the, our leaders in the Nederland campus, her name is Jeannie Huffman. She's actually the mom of our youth pastors, uh, Pastor uh, Catherine Clavijo. It's her mom. And uh, incredible story. Her and Wes, Wes is her husband, leads our security team in Nederland, does a great job. He was in the military, and he was stationed in San Diego, and they didn't have much money. They're trying to raise kids, and you know they're in the military, and if any of you have ever tried to do that, you know um, at, at that place in his life where he was in the military, he wasn't making any money, and they were just always broke, always broke. And their car, the, the one car they had, was broken down, never seemed to be running, always having problems. And she began to pray, God, we need a vehicle. We are desperate for a car. You know, here's a mom whose husband is oftentimes on the other side of the world, and she is at home trying to deal with real-life problems, saying, God, I need a vehicle. How do I get my kids to the doctor? How do I get my kids to school? How do I get to the grocery store? I need a vehicle. And you know, last week, one of the things we talked about is how that God speaks through dreams and visions. And God gave her a dream. And you're going to find this funny. But in this dream, she went on The Price is Right. How many of you remember watching The Price is Right with Bob Barker? Not uh, Drew Carey, Bob Barker days. You remember that? This, this is when it was. And she had this dream that she was going to go on The Price is Right. They were going to call her name. She was going to do the whole scream thing, run down there. She was going to win the money game at the front. Then she was going to go up with Bob, and she was going to win a white minivan. How many of you say that's a pretty crazy dream? 
So she starts telling her husband. She tells Wes. Wes, you know, he's trying not to laugh at her, but he does need a van. So, I mean, we need a car, so I don't, I don't want to laugh too much. You know, I, I believe you hear from God, but that's, that's a lot. She starts telling all of her friends about this story. She tells everybody. So she convinces this huge group of people to leave the military base, drive all, hours and hours and hours away, stand in line. They stood in line for five hours to get into the prices right. And when you get in, as you're walking in, they do these really quick interviews with you, and they ask your name and where you're from and what you do, which is the, stuff they, the same stuff they repeat when you, if you make it on the show. It's part of how they choose who goes on the show. Well, for her, she gets to that point, and she's been telling everybody that I'm going to win a white minivan on The Price is Right. Here you are. She gets to the show. And when she goes through the line, they have people lined up, and they have producers sitting in front of you to ask you questions. She decided that she really wanted Wes to have this moment with God that was a real confirming moment for him. And so when they asked her her name, she ducked behind Wes and kind of pointed to him and just said, I'm with him. She gets in the show, one contestant, two contestants, three contestants, all the way to the end. She never got called. She was so disappointed. She felt conviction because she knew that she got there to hear what God was saying and to, 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 to believe that this was her moment. And when the moment came, she shied away and pushed her husband forward. And they didn't choose him. Didn't choose any of her friends. She drives home. She's all upset. She's all worried. Did I hear from God? I know I heard from God. Every night she's having the same dream. Even after she went to the Price is Right, she comes home. She's having the same dream. I am going to win a white minivan, but now no one's listening to her. We went to the Price is Right with you, and you hid out instead of talking to the producer. How are you ever going to get on the show? So she goes through this process. Finally, uh, someone from the base puts out that they're going to take um, I don't know what you a field trip I guess from the base, and they were taking one van load of people to see the prices. Right? Does anyone want to go? Well, she didn't want to go, but her friends are like, "Look, we will. We're never. We never want to hear from you again if you don't get on that van." Wes wouldn't go. He refused. He's like, "I'm not going." So her and a couple of friends. They get in the van and they drive all those hours all night long to get to the prices right. They stand in line again. This time when she stands in front of the producer, she's like, my name is Jeannie Huffman. You may have remembered me from a few months ago. I was here with my husband and the producer's like, yeah, I remember you. Leans over, says something to the person next to him and away they go. Here we go. First four people called. You know how they do and they've got the, the people in the front here and you bid on the items. Not her. Second game, not her. Go through the whole show, not her. All of a sudden, and the next contestant on The Price is Right, Jeannie Huffman, come on down. She freaks out. You know, it's screaming, it's hair, it's the whole deal. Her, her friends are like crying and hugging. She hadn't won anything yet. Now, what are you doing? Don't put that on the show. Oh, I'm going to kill you guys. Y'all are... You just gave away the entire ending. I was setting this story up good. Y'all were with me. Newsflash, <laughs> she wins the car. Oh, 
Do y'all want to hear the story anyway? Uh, okay, okay. I don't know who's doing words today, but uh, we're having a talk later. Yeah, they're all pointing to somebody else. <laughs> she gets to the front. She tries to win the game. She doesn't win the game. She tries again. She doesn't win the game. Finally, she's like, I don't know what else to do. They come back around to her. She bids $1. You know what happens when you bid $1? The whole place boos. Boo! And she's like, I don't know. She wins. She won, I don't know, whatever, a microwave or a stove or a set of pots, whatever it was, she wins. And she comes up on the stage. She, she gets there, and Bob, he's got the little long, skinny microphone, you know, and he's like 112, and he, and he brings her up there. <laughs> and he brings her up there, and, and he says, here's what you're going to have a chance to win. And the doors open, and there is a white minivan standing there. As soon as she sees the white minivan, she reaches up and she kisses him on the cheek and she says, thank you for, for this. I can't believe I won a white minivan. And he said, you know you still have to play the game, right? <laughs> so the game was uh, one up, or let's say one away. So I don't know if you remember this game, but they put a price of the vehicle up and every number in the price is either one lower or one higher than the actual price. So you can roll each number up or down. So she rolls it through there. Her first time through, they say, Mr. Announcer, if she got one number right, please honk the horn. So they ask him, and he honks the horn. Mr. Announcer, if you got two numbers right, please honk the horn. The horn honks. Mr. Announcer, if you got three numbers right, please honk the horn. Silence. Now her heart's racing. Here we are. You got one more chance. So now she knows there are three numbers wrong, but she doesn't know which three. So the crowd's yelling, do this, do that, do this, do that. Her friends are yelling and all this stuff. And she couldn't hear through all the noise. She didn't know what to do. So she listened to the voice of God in her spirit. She said, God, you're going to have to help me because I don't know what to do. And she changed the numbers to $19,123. And the entire place erupts, booing. That's horrible. That's not right. And Bob's like, are you sure? Because they don't agree. And she's like, no, Bob, I'm sure. And they go through the whole deal. Now, guys, you may put the picture up. <laughs> they go through the whole thing. <laughs> Any one of them will do. Just... Okay, there's the white minivan. All right, go to the next picture. Go to the next picture. Uh, there's her when she was bidding $1. This would be the picture that I was looking for earlier. Um, next picture. Uh, this is her right here, $19,123. She just won a white minivan. What are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds of... Hearing God's going to win, you're going to win a white minivan and, and see you have a dream of this every night. What are the odds of getting picked on the prices of right when there's thousands of people there and they only pick about 12 uh, uh, contestants per episode? What are the odds? What are the odds of going back and then them remembering her and choosing her? What are the odds of her winning with a $1 and it being the very game where they're giving a car away. Now, if you've watched it a lot, like I have, you know they give two cars away per episode. But what are the odds of it being a white 
minivan. Only God knows things like that. You can't orchestrate it. She gets all the way home. It's like the middle of the night again. She wakes Wes up. She's like, Wes, you, you got to get up. My friends want to see you. And he's like, I'm not getting up. I got to be at work in two hours. It's the middle of the night. What are you doing? She's like, no, you, you got to get up. She finally gets up and they tell him she won a white minivan. And of course, Wes, as all of us men, I don't believe you. <laughs> she had to show him the paper and the picture of the white minivan. It's, and from, from then on, man, their walk with God has been so strong uh, because they've always known that God was with them and God still speaks. Amen. I don't know what dreams that God may have given you in your life. I don't know what dreams he may have shown you. I don't know what things he might have put in your spirit, in your mind that he might have dropped. But never stop believing. When things don't seem to work out, know that God still speaks in dreams and visions, and he's still speaking to you. I, I want to talk to you about two more uh, languages that God speaks today. And, and the first is this, and, and we'll read in John chapter 4, so if you want to turn there with me. But the first language that I want to speak to you is that, about is that God speaks through signs. God speaks through signs. Read this with me from John chapter 4, verse 48. John chapter 4, verse 48. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Now, I want you to note here that what Jesus was going around doing, and what I love about the, the, the book of John, John doesn't often use the term miracle. Like when we say he did a miracle when he turned the water to wine. John normally uses the term sign. He did them as signs. So when God does things, they are signs to point people to Jesus. So God absolutely speaks through signs. And we see it all throughout scripture. We see it all throughout our lives. But here is the problem. When signs become a substitute for faith, we can get ourselves in trouble. What do I mean? Rather than listening to the voice of God and letting signs confirm what God is saying, we're so busy looking for signs but never listening to what he's saying. And this gets us in trouble. I was driving home from Louisiana last week, and I went over there for a baseball tournament for my son last Saturday. And as I'm driving home, I wasn't 100% sure where I was going. I thought I knew, but I wasn't sure. And as I'm driving alone, I, along, I thought, man, I, I, maybe I missed my turn. Did I miss? And Randy and I are having this conversation. Son, did I miss my turn? What do you think? Should we keep going? And Randy says, you know, Dad, I think you should go just a little further. So we go just a little further, and about a half a mile down, we make a turn around the road, a corner around this back, back street, and we see a blue sign that says, has an arrow and points to I-10. Well, that's where I was trying to go. If you get me to I-10, I know exactly where I am. But it was that blue sign that, put, that confirmed you're on the right track. And that's what signs do in our lives. Signs don't often speak the will of God. They confirm the will of God. Notice what, what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 20. This is the last verse. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 16. This is the last verse in the book of Mark. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, watch here, 
confirming what they said by miraculous signs. So they're preaching the word of God. They didn't preach signs. They preached the word. And when they preached the word, God confirmed it with signs. Here's the principle in our lives. We listen to the voice of God. We listen to what God is saying. And as we're following it, we're now looking for the signs to confirm we're on the right track. Because this is what God, he he loves us this much that he's like, look, I know it takes faith to walk out and follow what I'm telling you to do. So along the way, I'm going to put signs to confirm on either side of you. Like driving through the back roads of Louisiana, and uh, not quite sure, and suddenly there is the blue sign to I-10. I want to speak this over your life today. If you're going through times and and you're trying to follow the voice of God, first of all, step out by faith. Step out by faith, and when you do, I believe that God is going to put signs in your path to confirm. I told you that uh, in our first week of this series that we wanted to call it Whisper, and we just really felt, uh, Bishop and I, that that we needed to call it Whisper, and God wanted to talk to us about how to communicate with Him, how to talk with Him. And when I got to Israel on the first day, they gave us this box that said, Whisper understand that was not a word from God that was a sign confirming the word of God that we had already spoken they had already put the graphics in motion they had already started the marketing campaign but when I got there God gave me a sign just to say you're on the right track I believe God wants to do this for us because he wants to teach you how to follow his voice he wants to teach you how to walk in his ways so why wouldn't a good God give us signs In, in John, there was uh, the, 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 the Roman officer, and it was, he was trying to get Jesus to come and heal his son. And that's when Jesus says, will you not believe unless I give you signs and miracles? It was a little bit of rebuke. It was a little bit of speaking into us today, not just to be looking for signs. But here's what I love about Jesus. Even though they were a little bit off, And Jesus had to do a little bit of training, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of discipling. Jesus still turned to the man and said, don't worry about it. Your son is already healed. Here's what I want to say. Even if we get off track and we're looking for signs when we should be listening to the voice of God. I believe that God is saying, look, don't worry about it. I've already got it under control. Even if he has to coach us a little bit, even if we get off track a little bit, he's already taken care of what he said he would do. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Gideon who didn't want to follow the voice of God. And so he laid out what's called a fleece. And he laid out a fleece before the Lord. And and a fleece is essentially saying, God, if this is you, do this. It's a fleece. God, if this is you, when I wake up tomorrow, I want it to be like this. And Gideon did this two days in a row. He laid some things out on the floor and he gave God in specific instruction. He said, God, if this is you, do this. And the next night, he said, God, if this is you, reverse the two things. And he did. Laying out a fleece before God is not an altogether unbiblical or wrong thing, but I will tell you, you ought to do it very carefully. You ought to do it very carefully. For one thing, uh, you know, you guys know that I love, uh, you know, one of my, my great enjoyments in life is a really good, hot, Krispy Kreme donut. 
I just I love, I, and I preached a sermon about it a few, a couple years ago, and still to this day, anytime one of the ads on Krispy Kreme walks up, comes up on Facebook, someone's going to tag me in it all the time, uh, and I, and it still makes me want a Krispy Kreme donut. It's working. I was going somewhere with that story. Oh yes, I know, I know where I was going. I was driving down uh, through San Antonio uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm driving. I'm not even hungry. I've already eaten. I'm not even hungry. But I know where the Krispy Kreme exit is. And as I'm getting closer, I'm feeling the temptation. And I say, Lord, if it be your will, let the hot and ready sign be on. The hot and fresh sign. You know how they turn the hot sign? I don't know if you've ever had They turn the hot sign on when they're just coming out of the oven. And I'm, I'm just I'm like, I'm laying this before the Lord as if the hot sign is not on like most of the day. As if it's going to be some crazy thing that the hot sign would be on. Um, the hot sign wasn't on. And I said, I rebuke you, Satan. And I pulled over anyway. And <laughs> Here's my point. <laughs> Here's my point. If you decide to say, Lord, we need a confirmation, that's not altogether wrong. Make sure it's not a substitute for faith, number one. And make sure that you're very specific with God, not something that would just be happening anyway, because there is a, diff a difference between coincidence and what God is doing. So be careful. Because fleecing can be a substitute for obedience to God. When you know what he's saying in your heart, go do it. And let him confirm it along the way. Don't make him confirm it 17 times when you know good and well he's already told you what to do. Following signs requires a spiritual gift. It requires a spiritual gift. Here's the good news. You have access to the spiritual gift. It is a gift of discernment discernment. This is a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gives us when he comes. It's one of the nine extraordinary gifts of God, the gift of discernment that he wants to give you in your life. You say, well, that's, that's just for someone else. No, that's for you and I. That's for all of us to discern. I've heard it said that discernment is the ability to choose between right is wrong. When it all seems gray, it's discernment that separates us and help us know. It helps us to know whether it's a sign or whether it's just coincidence. Mark Batterson said it like this. It goes beyond con contextual intelligence and emotional intelligence. Discernment is the ability to appraise a situation with supernatural insight. It's prophetic perception that sees past problems and envisions possibilities. It's, that, it's that, that, that gift from God that allows you to see things from a different angle, things you can't see normally, but the Holy Spirit allows you to see into the future and know if this is a sign from God or not. You need discernment in your life. And if you don't have discernment, ask God for it. It's a free gift. Just ask the Holy Spirit and he'll give it to you. Second way that God speaks is that God speaks through doors. Doors. Early this year, Pastor Darren uh, from Nederland spoke a great uh, sermon to us on this is a year of doors. This is a year of doors. It's a great sermon. If you haven't heard it, you ought to go back. It was the first Sunday of the year, and you need to go listen to it. It's a great sermon. Here's what, here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation 3 and 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. Everybody say that with me, key of David. Key of David. What he opens, 
no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. We love the first part of this verse. What doors God opens, no one can close. That right there will make you shout and dance and sing hallelujah and say how good God is. But here's the problem. We cannot believe in open doors without accepting that God also closes doors. They're both in the same scripture, in the same sentence. God didn't stop. He said, what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. But what we tend to do is try to force open doors that we have prayed. God, if this is not you, close the door. Then he closes it, and we try to kick it open again. And we whine and complain about what God has done or not done and, and how it's not working for us and how I don't know where God is. And God's saying, listen, I answered your prayer. According to Scripture, when I closed it, no one could open it, and yet now you're upset with me over it, wondering where is God? Why does He care about everyone else except for me? And yet here He's saying, I do care. Because you see, the love of God is shown just as much in closing a door as it is in opening a door. But opening a door sounds fun. Opening a door sounds like blessing. Closing a door doesn't. God closes doors. Things like failure or bad timing. He closes doors with a check in your spirit. He closes doors through silence. With Him just not speaking. He, he closes doors by putting obstacles in your way. Key of David. What's he referring to here? In the, in the, in the house of David, in his palace... There was a man named Eliakim, Eliakim, and Eliakim was a type of Christ, and here's why. He had around his neck, he carried a key that gave him access to every single room in the house of David, in the palace. There was no room that this key couldn't go in. That key gave Eliakim access it gave him authority and it gave him it gave him the power to go in to to open the door for everyone to come in or to close the door so no one could come in there was nothing in the palace that he didn't have control over because he held the key he was the only one with the key and so when the writer here, when, when, when God is speaking to John the Revelator, and John writes these words down, he reminds John of the key of David, of Eliakim, and saying, Jesus Christ is the same way. He has a key to every door in your life. He can open it, and he can close it. And, but he is the only one with that authority. And when he locks it off, when he closes the door, or when he opens it, no man can change it. I find this to be two things at one time. It's very freeing for me. It's very freeing for me to know that God has control over everything in my life. That if he wants me to go somewhere, he'll open the door. And if he doesn't, he'll close the door. But it can also be very frustrating. Because we tend to look at life from our perspective. And from our perspective, certain doors look perfect. They look right. They look like they are it. But from God's perspective, he knows they're not right. Because God's view is different. 
in his view, he can bring in factors that we can't even see. He knows what's coming in the future and we have no idea. He knows what outside forces are coming when we have no clue. So he closes a door, we get frustrated with him, and he's saying, look, if you had all the information that I had, you would close the door also. But we don't. So it can be very frustrating. Um, many of you know that Pastor Lindsay and I have been looking for a house uh, for, for a while now. We've been, we've been working on it, praying about it. Uh, many of you have been praying with us. I may or may not have said in a sermon for people to get out of my house, and I'm ready to move into my new house that I didn't even have yet. Uh, um, but if, if you weren't here, I, I, won't, I, I won't confirm or deny that. Uh, but we've been praying and praying and praying. It's for, for about, um, about 45 days ago, actually the weekend of Easter, we prayed really hard. We found a home. We felt like it was it. Uh, Pastor Lindsay and I looked at it. I, I took uh, my father over there to look at it. We had to look at some, some things on it to make sure I wasn't missing some structural things. And in the process of it, we just all felt like this was the house. This was it. I can't tell you how many times in the last 45 days, uh, Dad, and, and you know how I feel about my father in, in my life. He's one of the people that speaks into my life more than anyone else and gives me wisdom and guidance and, and direction. He said, Randon, I just feel like this is y'all's house. This is your house. And we're celebrating. So um, Pastor Melly, who's our, our real estate agent, she, she helps us. We get a contract on it. We, we get a price that we all feel good about. And we're like, yes. And man, things are moving forward. We go 40 days into the process. We were supposed to close originally like tomorrow or Tuesday. And this weekend, the appraisal comes back and it was really, really low. Changed the whole deal. Um, and so when that happened on Thursday, it really just put a damper in in, in our spirits and in, in our life, and you're like, man, God, we really felt like this was the house. And so we worked through, and and, and I kept telling uh, uh, my wife and the in the in our council that, that were listening and, and helping us through this make this decision. I kept saying, here's here's what I'm struggling with. There's the reality of can we afford the house now? Can we get the house now? How do we make the numbers work? And then there's this separate issue of should we make this house work? Is this a door that God is closing? And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this. Buying a home is a big deal. You don't buy men in your life normally, and it's a big deal. And, you know, we're stepping out by faith, and I'm saying, God, we need to hear you. And I just had so much anxiety, so much stress, so much worry over the entire situation that finally, yesterday morning, I called Pastor Melanie, and we had all the details worked out. We could have made it work in another way. We could have still gotten the house. Uh, the, the financial stuff was worked out. And I called Pastor Melanie, and I said, uh, Mel, look, I don't feel peace about this. I don't feel good about this right now. i got a lot of anxiety. And what I need to do is I need to, I need to, Lindsay's been out of town all week. I need to sit down. I need to talk with her. I need to pray about it. And I'm asking them to give us until Monday. Give us until Monday uh, before we do anything. So they agreed. And that afternoon, we actually decided, kind of on a whim, to go look at another house. While we were standing in that house, here's what happened. God completely closed the door on the house we had the contract with. In our heart, in our spirit, we knew we were not supposed to buy this house. And suddenly, pieces to the puzzle have become so clear that it wasn't a bad appraiser that closed the door for us. It was God that closed the door. Our banker looked at the appraisal, doesn't know why it was so low. Two real estate agents and a third appraiser or a second appraiser have looked at 
the, the appraisal and can't really figure out why it was so low. We can't figure out why it was so low. And then all of a sudden, as we were praying last night and we're driving home and our whole family's praying in the car, we get this deep conviction that that was not our house. We're ready to walk away. That was tough. We've been waiting for a long time to, 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 to have our home. And we're at the door. This was the week to close. But I feel so much peace today. I feel so much assurance. And I'm going to tell you, I went through four tests with this house. And I'm going to give them to you and, and how to know when a door is God or not God. Would you like to know what those four tests are? These four tests, and, and I really believe, just write them down. I'm going to spend long on each one. But I really believe they can help you. Because maybe you're buying a house right now, maybe you're not. That's the big decision we're making. But when you're facing big decisions, you're trying to see, God, is this a door or not? Uh, I, want you to, I want you to write these down and know them. I want you to use them. The first is the goosebump test. A few giggles. I get it. The goosebump test. You know when you, when you, uh, what, uh, you know when you get goosebumps on your arm? I will tell you that time and time again, goosebumps don't always mean God. But often, goosebumps for me as a child of God are a recognition that God is involved in something. I don't believe there are coincidences in my life. You can believe that for you if you want. But I believe that my steps are ordered of the Lord. And, and he's taking care of it. So there are no coincidences. So when something happens and I feel goosebumps, that's a first sign. Uh, uh, that's a, the first answer to the first test that this might be from God. Doesn't mean it's from God. Just means it might be. You say, well, what do you mean? Why would your physical body have a response to God? Well, because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's living on the inside of us. And the truth is, and I'm going to talk this in the second one, God often speaks to us through physical symptoms in our body. We just don't know it. Because that leads me to the second test, and the second test is the peace test. Do you have a peace about it? I don't mean, or, or is there no stress? Because look, there are lots of decisions that are stressful even when you're making the right decision. But I'm saying, do you have a deep sense of peace? A peace that goes beyond the, the stress of the current situation, knowing deep in you that it is God. The Colossians 3 and 15 said, the, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We may feel scared, we may feel stressed, but somehow we feel the peace of God in our heart. I don't know what house we're going to buy. We, we feel like we're in, in great degree starting the whole process over with. And yet, I have peace that while I may not know what door is next, I know that that other house was not ours. I was feeling so much anxiety. I could feel it in my body. I could feel the stress in my body. I, could, I, I, I was anxious and I was nervous and I was struggling to sleep. What was that a sign of? That was a sign that I wasn't passing the peace test. Okay, Lord. Number three, wise counsel test. The wise counsel test. I want you to note here that I didn't say the counsel test. I said the wise counsel test. Because most of us get counsel. How many of you have seen people on Facebook that are asking the most important questions of their life and they're asking anyone on Facebook to comment? What do you think I should do? What are you talking about? We'll ask everyone in the world what we think that we should do. Because you know what we're really doing? We're asking people that we think will feed into what we want to do anyway. So I'd have wise counsel. 
We're making a decision on a home. How to have wise counsel. Just This is not just something that, that Lindsay and I were making. Now, at the end of the day, Dad said, Renan, I'm behind you either way. We can make this work or we cannot, but you have to decide. But we went to the wise counsel. I, I went to some of the people in our life that, that speak into Lindsay and I's life, that we have been uh, knowing what's going on and knowing where we're walking through, saying, I just need to hear your voice. Now, it's not that they told me yes or no, because none of them did. None of them did. In fact, they said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Wouldn't it be nice and easy if sometimes people would just hear from God for you? They wouldn't. But we went to the wise counsel. Have you gone to wise counsel for the decisions you're making? And not just gone to them, but are you listening to what they're saying? I, I want to say to people all the time, they say, well, I, I got counsel on it. And I say, who told you that? Because they're dumb too. I don't know. You know you've thought it before. I'm just being honest here. Here's the, here's the fourth one, and this is the one that gets us caught up. This is the one that gets us caught up, and, and, and where we are in this house right now really illustrates what I'm, what I'm feeling. It's got a longer name. I, I'm gonna, we're calling it the released from and called to test. Part of the anxiety of saying no to the house we had a contract on was the stress and the worry of having to go back into the, in the housing market. We weren't sure where we were going, and thus we weren't sure if we were, going, if we were ready to walk away from what, God, what we felt like God was God. You see, there are times in your life when God's trying to move you that He'll release you from something but he isn't quite ready to send you to something. And that's where we are. He's released us from that other house, but I'm not sure he's called us to the next house yet. And it takes a ton of faith to sit in that place. It takes a ton of faith to say, I don't know where I'm going, but I know this isn't it. It takes a ton of faith to say, I don't know who I'm going to marry, but I know you're not who I'm supposed to marry. It takes a ton of faith to say, I don't know what job I'm going to take, but I know this is not the job I'm supposed to take. Are you with me? It takes faith to get stuck in the middle. On the other hand, there are things in my life that I'm telling you right now, I know that I'm called to. The problem is God hasn't released me from what I'm doing right now. And I can't do the next vision until I complete this vision. But if we're not careful, as soon as we know what we're called to, as soon as we know what our dream is, as soon as we know what God wants for us, we take off running and God's waiting. Wait a minute, I'm not done with you over here yet. So there's released from, and then separately from that, there's called to. And we've got to recognize the difference. There are things in your life that God's going to call you to, but you're not done where you are yet. So don't get so anxious about tomorrow that you forget about what God is doing today. Don't get so stressed out about where you're going, about what you're going to do, that you forget about what God has called you to do today. Jesus said it like this. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries all of its own. Focus on what he's called you to today. And when he releases you from this, say, God, where to next? Where to next? So for me, I don't know where to next just yet. I don't know. But what do I do know? I know I've been released from the other. I'm confident. I slept great last night. 
The moment we made the decision, I was getting complete peace. The moment I told our, 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 our I texted and, and told my parents what we did, just a few minutes later, Dad texted back and he said, I'm at complete peace. You made the right decision. I texted one of our other counselors. He texted me back in a few minutes. He said, I feel great about it. Right decision. We passed the test. I don't know where we're going next, but I know that God closed a door. My encouragement to you is this. You cannot expect God to open doors if you're unwilling to accept that he closes them also. I want to pray over you as we close this series. We've been praying that God would speak to us, that you would learn to hear the voice of God, that I would learn to hear the voice of God. It was a huge test, wouldn't you know it, right in the middle of teaching on hearing about the voice of God, that we have to go through a huge test, but God is good, and I know clearly that we heard from God, and he wants to speak to you too. I want to pray, first of all, that you would begin to read the signs and that God would give you discernment. And secondly, I want to pray that you would have complete trust that Jesus has the key of David in your life. And if he opens a door, no man can close it. But if he closes a door, no man can open it, including you. And if you'll follow in that, knowing that your steps are ordered of the Lord, he'll take you right where he wants you to go. Father, I thank you for every person here, every person watching online. God, I know that you want to speak to us. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Lord, as we start following you, as we walk out in obedience, I pray that you would show us signs in front of us to help us to know that we are following you. But Lord, let us step out by faith first. Don't, don't let our looking for signs be a substitute for faith, but let us keep following you knowing that you're going to send us a sign to confirm what you're doing in our lives. Father, I'm praying for open doors. I'm praying for, for those that are looking for, the, for, for answers for their next steps in any area of their life. I am praying for open doors, but God, at the very same time, I am praying for closed doors. And God, I'm coming to you with a heart of gratitude and thanking you for closing doors in my life that were not so where we were supposed to be. I thank you for closing doors in the lives of your people that are not where we were supposed to go. Lord, help us to pass the test. Help us to understand the peace of God and how it works in our life that we might follow you every day of our life knowing that your will is the perfect will for our lives. It's the perfect future. It's the perfect everything for you know us better than we know us. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.